Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. Thank you for coming in today. Today, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I want to talk a little bit about COVID because some interesting news came out um, this past month in the UK. And I think it's probably worth mentioning uh, it's official government data. So uh, the fact checkers can't, you know, really dispute it. And essentially, somebody filed for a FOIA request, that's a Freedom of Information Act in the UK. Uh, for some data, and specifically they were looking for some data around deaths due to COVID only. So we've we've gotten some data around deaths with comorbidities, i.e., you know, if somebody has heart disease or they're obese or something along those lines, those would be comorbidities. But this, this is a data that basically excludes comorbidities. I don't know why I'm having trouble saying that. Um, and so what it does is it presumably gives us a picture into, you know, a, a group of people that are otherwise healthy that died from COVID. And so I think this is interesting data. I think it reveals something about the risk of of COVID. Um, and I think it's, I think it's worth looking at. Now the guy we're going to play, I'm just going to play some clips from him. His name's John Campbell. He's over in the UK and I'm going to let him kind of describe the details because he breaks down the numbers in a way that might be useful. I don't know, but, um, uh, I just want to spend a few minutes letting him do that, and then uh, we'll come in and start commenting. And there's a new Freedom of Information request release from the United Kingdom that shows the number of deaths actually solely attributable to COVID may be way lower than anyone had thought. And if this data applies to the UK, I'm sure it applies to the United States, Canada, European countries, all, all the other sort of what we might call advanced economy countries, it will also apply to, I would imagine. Now, it's um, it's, it's interesting. Let's look at it. Um, so here we have, uh, this is the 30th of March 2020 to the 7th of January 2022. In other words, this is basically from, this is the time of the pandemic when people have been dying up to the 7th of January. Office for National Statistics, obviously, it's a couple of weeks behind, but it's not bad. Uh, 127,400 and, uh, sorry, 127,704 excess deaths above the five-year average. So we have often thought that this is perhaps the most accurate way to look at deaths. Not so much who died from what, when, but how many more people have died than we would expect. The difference being, of course, we've been living through this pandemic so that's probably a pretty good indicator okay so he tells you that uh, we're going to have this freedom of information act um, information release and then he backs up and starts talking about something called excess deaths now the excess deaths number is 
um, what they do is they look at like a five-year moving average of deaths and think of it like a spike, a spike of deaths um, above that five-year moving average. And that's what the excess death number is. Now, he's talking, he's telling you that in the UK, that excess death number over the pandemic period was roughly 127,400 people in the UK died that at, at a rate higher than the five-year moving average. So remember that number, because it's pretty close to the actual number that they have actually counted in the UK, which I think is like 137,000 something. So let's follow him on to the next step. Death within 28 days of a positive test, um, 359 daily deaths. Uh, which is good to see that's come down a bit lately, and 152,872 total deaths. So we have one figure for the total deaths there, 127,000. We have another figure for the total deaths there within 28 days of a positive test, 152,872. And then where COVID-19 is mentioned on the death certificate as a contributory factor to death, 174,000. So we've already got three different figures, but now we've got a fourth, and this fourth figure is just a little over 17,000 deaths. And um, I, So one of the interesting things I thought about is why are they counting it so many different ways? And I think they do that. I think they have uh, legitimate reasons for doing that. But it gets confusing for the public. And um, so let me just recap what he's done here. There's the, an official number that's like 127,000 deaths. And then there's a number that they use if somebody dies from COVID within 28 days of a positive test. And that number is 152,000. And then they have another number that they use if COVID just shows up on the death certificate as a contributing factor. And that number was 174,000, roughly. Now, as he points out, there's this fourth figure. And this fourth figure came from this FOIA request. And he never really goes into who made the FOIA request, but somebody made the FOIA request. And, and in this FOIA request, basically there's another figure for deaths where COVID is the only cause of death, the only listed cause of death. No comorbidities, no mention of a positive test or anything like that. It's just, I guess they tested them at some point and, and they were confirmed to have COVID, but they didn't have any other comorbidities and ultimately died, which is tragic. But that number is only 17,371 in a country of 66 and a half million people. Now, he, he makes a statement early on that, you know, he's sure that the numbers are the same in the United States and Canada and so on and so forth, Western industrialized societies. And of course, there's no way to say that for sure unless, you know, the United States government publishes it, which, you know, they're probably not going to do. But just so you know, Canada is about, well, let's say it this way. The United States is about five times larger than Canada. So if you assume the same rates, any numbers that I mention here, if you multiply them by five, 
that's that's what he's saying could be the real number. And I stress could be because we don't really know. So I'm not saying it actually is this. I'm just saying that it could be this. And, you know, in the context of some of the incentives that they've had in the United States, for example, paying hospitals $3,000 if they put COVID on the death certificate, paying hospitals $30,000 if they put you on a ventilator. These types of incentives could have led to misleading data. There's no doubt about that. So I think it's I think it's informative here to look at the UK FOIA request and analyze it more carefully and then try to draw some conclusions from it. Now, this is from a freedom of information request. Deaths from COVID-19 with no other underlying cause. In other words, people that were otherwise healthy, that don't have heart disease, that don't have lung disease, that don't have diabetes, and yet died of COVID-19. Freedom of information request. And the freedom of information request was answered by the Office for National Statistics, and you can read the actual report there. So I think it's worth mentioning that he did this report about January 20th, and he's saying that the Freedom of Information Act request came out about a month earlier. Now, I don't know about you all, but I have not heard anything about this anywhere within the normal uh, drive-by media, as Rush Limbaugh used to call it. But uh, nothing on Fox News. Now, I don't watch a lot of One America News or Newsmax, um, but I, I just I haven't heard about this anywhere. And um, it's it seems fairly newsworthy. It seems like some you know aggressive reporter somewhere, journalist or even a corporate media employee uh, would want to report on this because it would be you know uh, very very dynamic and explosive story that would probably get a lot of clicks on uh, the internet, would get a lot of ad revenue for their TV shows, things like that. So. It's just very odd that we haven't heard anything about this. All right, let's get back into the numbers real quick. So here we have deaths for 2020. So the total deaths where COVID-19 was the only cause of death on the death certificate. Therefore, we can assume that the people didn't have comorbidities. So that's for 2020. The total deaths was uh, 9,400. Uh, 0 to 64 was 1,549. Over 65s was 7,851. And actually, the average age, when we take all these together, for, for, for the whole figures of combined, the average age was about 81.5 years or, or, or thereabouts. So even though these are over 65s, the vast majority of these were much older. Okay, just to recap these numbers real quick, uh, for 2020... Uh, for the year 2020, there were 9,400 deaths. Uh, 1,549 of them were from 0 to 64 years of age, and 7,851 of them were, were uh, 65 and over. And the average age of death in this particular group was 81 and a half years of age. So, you know, basically... 
I mean, I, I'm guessing that zero to 64 number is a whole bunch of them closer to 64 than, than closer to the middle of that range. But that's, I don't think that's controversial. I think that's what we would expect here in, in the United States as well. Total deaths from COVID alone, uh, 17,371. Of this, uh, of this, 13,597 were 65 or over. Of this 17,371 that we're talking about, 3,774 were under 65. And the average age of death from COVID over the whole time in the UK is actually a bit higher than I thought. Average age of death in the UK from COVID-19 in 2021, so this is 2021 data, 82.5 years of age. So the average person that died. So obviously that means a lot of people were over 82 and a half years of age. So just to recap those, those figures, in 2021, and I don't think this is the full year actually, this only goes through September of uh, 2021, but their total deaths from COVID only are 17,371. Those that died between the ages of zero and 64 were 13,597. And those that died that were 65 and older was 3,774. And the average age of death was 82.5, which means a whole bunch of people had to, de had to die that were much older than that. Now, what's the official government data saying there? Within 28 days of a positive test, up to the end of September, 137,133 people died. And the difference there is a factor of 7.9. So the official figures were pretty well eight times higher than those where COVID-19 was the only attributable cause of death. It's a massive difference, isn't it? It is a massive difference, Dr. Campbell. Yes, it is. All right. So what does this mean? Well, what it could mean is that the government's lying to us and they have their reasons and we don't know what they are. It could also mean that we just didn't account for any of this stuff correctly. But the disparity between the official numbers, the numbers that we hear spewed all over MSNBC, CNN, um, ABC, NBC, CBS here in, in the States, uh, public you know, PBS, the BBC over in the UK. I mean, all these outlets are giving you, it, it, at, a, at a minimum, you have to say that they're not giving you the whole picture. At, at a minimum. Now, I, if, you, if you want to be generous, you could say that. If you didn't want to be generous at all, you could say they're just flat out lying to you. The government's lying to you. The media's lying to you. Everybody's lying to you. And of course, that leads us to why, why would they lie about this? What, what purpose, um, do they have to lie about this? And, you know, again, we just don't really know, but the risk picture, the point I want to make is the risk picture looks a lot different. This whole narrative about you've got to go get the vaccine because it keeps you from severe risk from severe illness and death and keeps you out of the hospitals and all that kind of stuff. That's just, that's just not even true. I mean, the, if you did the if you did the math on this, you would find that 
the risk of death is like 0.009% or something like that. And let's just be generous and say 0.01%. That is a very, very low risk of death. So, you know, I I don't know, um, again, don't know what the government is trying to do. Um, It's usually not anything good. It's usually nefarious. They usually have uh, nefarious reasons for doing what they're doing. Um, But I just think it's important to, to weigh the risk Um, which is what I did. And a lot of people did. They said, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm X number. Let's just, let's just throw out a number. Let's say you're 40 years old. Well, if you're 40 years old and the average American lives to say 80, that means you have 40 years of life ahead of you, barring, you know, a plane crash or car crash, or these days, you, you know, might get murdered walking to the convenience store or the Walgreens or something. But let's just assume for a minute that you live till you're 40, I mean, till you're 80. So you're going to live an additional 40 years. Well, it's an experimental vaccine, okay? We don't really know the full spectrum of risks, and we won't know for years maybe. So you have to weigh that kind of information. You have to say, well, I know that I have almost no risk of dying from this virus, but this thing they want to inject with me, inject into my body, mm, and there's no way to take that back either. So I, I don't know. Maybe I should just forego the whole vaccine thing and just wait this thing out. So th- these are this is a perfectly reasonable line of thinking for you know a rational, logical human being. Now, the reality is we have a lot of irrational and illogical people in our government, in our media, and they're they're beating us over the head with clubs, uh, taking away your free speech, locking you down, deciding if you're whether or not you're essential and can work. I mean, these are all just ridiculous and tyrannical kind of behaviors of government. So I just thought it was important to put that information out there, get it so that people could hear it and, you know, decide for themselves. I mean, most people at this point know somebody that's been vaxxed, double vaxxed, and even maybe boosted that's gotten COVID. So I think there's, I think there's a lot of momentum for, undermining the information that we've been given, but this is just a little bit more to go with it. Now, the other thing that John talks about is he talks about excess deaths around cancer, and he brings up this other doctor who's, according to him, is very well-known oncologist, used to work for the WHO, and so, although the WHO doesn't really get high praise from me, but um, I think it's worth listening to what he talks about with respect to cancer. Now, just remind you that the numbers he mentions are UK numbers. So any number he mentions, you can more or less multiply it by five and you can kind of get the United States number from that. Now, this is from Professor uh, Carol Sequoia, um, who is um, 
well, he's, he's one of the leading oncologists in, in the world, uh, cancer doctors. Uh, former head of uh, cancer program at the World Health Organization. And I just got a brief resume of him. It seems he left the WHO because he didn't agree with some WHO uh, policies. I, I, don't, I can't remember the details, but the, the WHO were changing apparently to focusing a lot on communicable disease. Whereas deaths throughout the world from cancer are, are, are everywhere. You see people dying of cancer every country you go to. You see people dying of cancer, of course. Um, he estimates... Now, he didn't give his working on this, so I would like to see a paper by Professor Sequoia on this, but he's gone public on this. Uh, probably an extra 50,000 deaths from cancer over the past 18 months you otherwise would not have had. That's a lot of people who have died or will go on to die of cancer. And of course, the delayed diagnosis now, or the delayed diagnosis six months or a year ago, could be the death now, next six months, next year, five years' time, because the cancer wasn't caught at an early stage. Uh, not to mention the amount of pain and suffering uh, that cancer can bring to the individual. So this Dr. Sequoia... Um, he reports that the guys come out and estimated that as many as 50,000 excess cancer deaths have resulted as a result of the pandemic in the UK. And, and like I said before, you can pretty much multiply that number by five in the US. So 250,000 in the US. Now, this is all going to come out. None of this, what I'm saying, is controversial. It's the, this. There's lots of information about this in um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, uh, Dr. Fauci, and um, the real Dr. Fauci, which I highly recommend you read. It's a very long book and a lot of details in it, but it's 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 good so far. I'm still reading it, but there are a lot of um, a lot of unintended consequences, I guess is what we would call it. Um, that's, that's typically the, um, the terminology that the media uses, but you, I don't know. Sometimes you wonder, you know, when there's so many, so many of our policies result in these unintended consequences, it kind of makes you wonder sometimes whether or not they're actually intended. <laughs> I mean, can, can these guys be that, you know, uninformed about, I mean, are they so specialized that they just can't see beyond their specialty and, and don't know that there's other things that, that could happen as a result of their policies? I mean, it just, it just makes you wonder how they arrive at some of these things. And, um, I guess they're just very siloed in the government and don't talk to each other and don't, there's no cross training, if you will, between the different agencies and whatnot. But, you know, this, uh, I actually know of somebody uh, personally uh, who had, they're not a friend of mine, but uh, a friend of a friend that had some sort of bladder cancer and had to put off their treatment during the pandemic. They just weren't taking people. What happened was they thought that there was going to be this mad rush to the hospitals. And so they canceled all these quote unquote elective treatments and the, you know, cancer is really not an elective treatment. It's not like a, it's not like a nose job at a plastic surgeon. I mean, this is something you have to deal with right away. I mean, we all know that 
the sooner you deal with it, the better your chances are surviving it. That's why they're, they have like stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. And if somebody tells you they have stage four, you're like, hmm, yeah, you don't, you're probably not going to live much longer. I mean, you already know that, right? So these are not elective surgeries. <laughs> or if you have a heart disease, you know, uh, you have um, a blockage in your left main coronary artery, otherwise known as the widowmaker. Well, you could die at any time from a massive heart attack. I mean, that's not an elective surgery. And yet hospitals were cleared, you know, it was like they cleared the fields for these masses of numbers that were going to be hitting the hospitals that we were told. And look, just the result of it, I mean, they could have been right, okay? But the net-net result of it was a lot of people died in a lot of, with a lot of other illnesses that otherwise wouldn't have. And we're probably going to hear about some excess deaths later on attributed to that once we get the, the true COVID numbers to shake out. Because right now, if you, if you just look at excess deaths and you think, oh, well, the only thing going on was COVID. Yeah, that's, well, I mean, we've just established that that wasn't the only thing going on. People have had cancer. They've had heart disease. They've had other illnesses. But once we can get an accurate count of the actual COVID deaths, which I think this Dr. Campbell could be onto something here. And like I said, if, if, if you just take the number that he gave you, uh, which by the way, it wasn't a full year. Okay. So 17,371, which was not a full year. So let's just say a full year would have been closer to 20. Let's just round up and say 25,000. Well, you multiply that by five and you get about 125,000 deaths in the United States due to COVID. Now, that's still a huge number. That's a huge number. But as we've already established, most of the people that died were uh, into their 80s. Obviously, some didn't. Uh, if you look at the numbers um, for Zero to 64, that's 13,500. That'd be roughly 50,000. That, um, or excuse me, about 40, yeah, about 40,000 or so that would have died uh, between the ages of zero and 64. So, yeah, definitely some that are younger. And that 125,000, by the way, would just be in 2021. That doesn't account for 2020, uh, which his numbers were. Uh, 9,400 in 2020, and that, that would be all of 2020. So if you multiply that number times five, you come up with about 45,000. So, you know, 45,000 plus 125,000, talking about 170,000 deaths due to COVID. Still a big number in a two-year period, but not the almost a million that you hear about every day on TV. In fact, these other, these other deaths in these other categories are probably going to they're probably going to make up the difference to give us that million. So I think the point in all this is that the government really is not looking out for you. Uh, this is a, an organization that uses terms like public service and, you know, to describe themselves and what they do for a living and that they're serving the public somehow. And well, they're serving 
part of the public, you know, the, the lobbyists, the interest groups, people like that, but they're not serving individual Americans. I mean, that's just not even what's happening. Um, in fact, they're in doing what they're doing. A lot of times they're trampling on our individual rights as Americans, our speech, uh, you know, they want to take your guns away. They want to, there's, I mean, just go through the, the, the bill of rights, the top, 10 amendments they're trying to they're they're spying on you so they're taking away your fourth amendment so and it's all really you know i really think about this all the time i think what are they trying to accomplish you know the government the the thing about the government is it's is it's 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 always looking for binary solutions it's always trying to say well it's got to be this or it's got to be that and of course, you know, I've talked about this before, but the market gives us a range of solutions, a spectrum. And that's really what we want as Americans. That that provides the most amount of individual freedom to us. And this this government way of, of providing quote unquote freedom really doesn't work uh, because we don't we we lose out on this spectrum of choices we 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 get forced into either the republican solution or the democrat solution and the truth is neither one of those works very well because let's say that let's say the democrat solution supposedly serves the most number of people but then it taxes the hell out of all of us in order to get that and the republican solution maybe doesn't want to do anything and that doesn't serve anybody so, I don't know, just, it, there's nothing special about this group called government. They're just people, okay? They're just people like you and me. It's just that they work in a building called government, and you work in a building called Microsoft or uh, Apple, or I'm picking on the tech companies here, or you work for Caterpillar, okay? Or you work for a small business, or you have your own business. Point is, you don't have a lobbyist, and you know, your interests are not necessarily being served in this manner. And of course, the solution to this is to shrink the federal government. But because we haven't had any success at all in doing that, I think the next best solution is to just leave the federal government, just disassociate with the government, with the um, with the American government as it is today. Now you can do this kind of, you know, you can kind of look for ways to do this even without your state leaving the union. You know, you can be an agorist or whatever, but I just, I just think it's, you know, this COVID situation has really shed a lot of light on how corrupt and how dangerous this you know, government can actually be for individual liberty. Um, when somebody starts telling you that you have to take a vaccine, you have to take an experimental sub- substance, okay, and you have to trust them. How do you, I mean, how do you trust people that constantly lie to you and constantly take from you? And I mean, I, don't, I just don't know how you do that. I mean, some people can, some people. They just trust, you know, like, well, I'm an American and they're an American, so they must be looking out for me. And I I just say, no, no, that's not the case. So look, uh, 
rather than ramble on, I'm going to close up the show. If you like the show, please share it with someone. Um, go to where you download your podcast. Maybe leave me a review. Maybe some other people will join and uh, join into the discussion. I, I really lately I've really been struggling with just good content to put on here. Um, it's it's the same five topics being talked about day in and day out uh, that a national media you know audience would would want to hear about. So. You know, I'm gonna. I guess I'm gonna continue to struggle with that. I uh, we've got Black History Month coming up next month, and so I thought, you know, maybe I'll do some Martin Luther King. He was a great American. Maybe talk about some of his ideas, and uh, you know, we'll just see where where it goes. Um, Thomas Sowell. I like Thomas Sowell, so I might might dig up some Thomas Sowell and kind of see what conversations we can. Uh, drudge up with Thomas Sowell. There's still deaths, but it's much lower than we've been thinking. And it's much lower than mainstream media seems to be intimating. 